Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I appreciate you joining me again this week. I want to say a quick thank you to those of you who have left ratings and reviews over the last few weeks. It lets me know you appreciate the content, and even more importantly, ratings and reviews help raise our profile in the search engines, and that helps others find the podcast. So I really appreciate it when you take the time to do that. I'm so pleased to bring you a conversation today with my friends Greg and Paula Roberts. We go way back. Our daughter and their son went to heaven less than a month apart over 12 years ago now. I hope you'll listen in as they share about the loss of two of their children, Caitlin and Matt, and the impact these losses have had on their lives. Then we'll dig a little deeper into some advice for newly bereaved parents, dealing with anger, what happens when spouses grieve differently, handling the holidays, and even some good things that can come from our loss. I think you'll be encouraged by our conversation. Hi, Greg and Paula. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to having y'all on, so I'm glad you're here today. We're excited. Glad to be here. Good. So let's get started by giving you an opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there. Okay. Well, we live in Knoxville, Arkansas. Uh, been in the home we're in now about a year, not quite. Uh, they moved from London, which is five miles down the interstate. Uh, yeah. We had lived for 20, 22 years there in London. And if you're not familiar with that, it's real close to Russellville, Arkansas, which is about halfway between Fort Smith and Little Rock, the capital. So, and we lived there before we moved to London. London, before we yeah. moved to, yes. Yeah. So I am have recently, a year ago this month, retired from UPS. I've spent 33 years there. And uh, I like to tease, say this is my sugar mama. She's school teacher, still working, unfortunately for her, but good for me. So she can make all the money and I, I can spend it. It doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I bet it doesn't work quite like that. No, no. I tell them you picked the wrong person with the wrong profession. <laughs> uh, this is my 21st year at Dover Middle School. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd told me, 21 years ago that I'd be teaching middle school. I'd have said you were crazy, but it's been where God put me and I loved it. I still love it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you teach in middle school? Um, Language arts, English. Okay. Yeah. Very good. We have been married for 32 years next month. All right. Very good. Mm -hmm. There's some very difficult and trying times and some good times. But God's Christ through all of it. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So you guys have three children, uh, two daughters. Tell me a little bit about your daughters. Okay. Um, Madison is our, well, she wouldn't be oldest, but um, she is our only earthly child we have here with us now. Um, She's 24. And... This is her second year teaching at Russellville High School. She's the resource English teacher. She's married. They got, she just got married this summer. And her husband is the human resource person for his mother's greenhouse nursery business that they have. And it's a family business. And Madison helps out with that when she's not doing school things. She's just blossomed into her own little, to me, she's always going to be a little girl. But I mean, she's, 
she's a blossomed into her own woman hood. She's a mini mom. She's a mini, <laughs> mini, mini Paula. Mom oh, I can see that. Yeah. She is my mini mini. Thank goodness she took after mom and not after me. She calls me yeah. every day when she leaves school and she tells me how her day was and she vents to me. So when she goes home, she doesn't have to vent to her husband. <laughs> He's not that yes, lucky. Uh-huh. I, I vent to him. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, and our other daughter, we was would have been our first child, and, mm-hmm. and it was a stillbirth, not third year. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So she is in heaven, and uh, mm-hmm. with our third child, which is our son, and yeah. he was fifteen. When, when yeah. He with Kate, when I was eight months pregnant. And I started swelling and just getting puffy. And I thought, well, nothing you know, abnormal about that. I mean, it was my first pregnancy. I thought everything was normal. I had just gone for a sure. doctor's appointment and everything was fine. And within two weeks, everything fell apart. And um, I became preeclamptic, which turned into toxemia. Um, mm-hmm. Then my uterus... the is it the placental abruption or something the placenta thank you the placenta um (laughs) separated from my uterus and it cut off all the oxygen to her and Mm -hmm. um the the day that all that happened i woke up and i was in a big nesting mode i mean i had drank a great big old um, jug of grape juice because I'd been craving grape juice. I was dancing around the house doing laundry and mm. literally dancing to the music and everything. <laughs> and uh, later in the afternoon, I got to noticing hadn't felt her move for a while. And then I started having some major pains and mm. things were not feeling normal. Of course, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what labor felt like right. or anything. Sure. And so I called our family doctor and he told us to get to the hospital as soon as we could and we did and when they did the ultrasound no heartbeat Mm. they did an emergency c-section they knocked me out with so much anesthesia that i almost didn't get to see her because it was really Mm. hard for me to wake up afterwards um sure and uh we did. We got to see her before they took her away. Well, and the doctor had put quite a scare in us too. And uh, of course, here I, I got called in home from work, thinking, "Okay, we're going to the hospital. We're eight and a half months. It's a little early, but we're, we're going to, you know, we're having our first baby." And we yeah. get to the hospital and find out that, that it was a little different situation. And then things really got pretty serious. Not only losing Caitlin. But the doctor later on told me, told us the next day how close it was for us losing her. I started hemorrhaging and, on and the so inside as well. It was kind of a scary, scary situation that way as well, uh, trying to deal with the, sure. the grief and the, you know, of your child. And then later on, I, I guess it's a good thing I didn't know just how serious mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know, being a new dad and new situation, new, you know, everything about it was new. And so when he told me that, told us the next day in the hospital how close it was, it was kind of scary, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They put I'm me sure on a totally different floor away from all the babies and mm-hmm. all the moms and everything. And I couldn't sleep. And I would just cry. 
you know, mm. and I would talk to God. And one day we're, we're on this floor where no babies are allowed, no kids are allowed, nothing. And I was talking to God and out of the blue, I heard this. And, and the only way I can explain it is this a newborn giggle. Newborns don't mm. giggle, but I heard it. And I think that was God's way of telling me she's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I don't tell everybody that story because yeah. people look at you like you're crazy, but I know what I heard. I know what I prayed and I know where she is and we'll see her yes. again one day. Yes. Yeah. And how long ago was that? That was January 14th, 1992. It is so mind boggling to think that we would have a 30 year old come in January. I just, yeah, because Madison's only 24. So um, I can't imagine us having a 30 year old, how things, how different things would be. Right. And see, we've just gone through that. Hannah would have turned 30 just like last week, last Friday. And it's so hard to imagine having a 30 year old daughter, you know, As, as a mom to, you know, be my best friend and, and go shopping with and do all the, and I, of course you have Madison and you enjoy that with her and I have Bethany and I enjoy that with her. So we still have that joy. Yeah. Um, but oh, how we miss that 30 year old oh, daughter that we never got yeah. to get to know. And I know as a dad, you know, you miss her too. Yeah. She would have been, would have been our oldest and, we don't know what Lord has in terms of grandkids and the daughter has not even right. been married a year yet. So we don't want, want to rush things at all. So exactly. it's kind of our, our last, uh, you know, hope for, uh, for grandkids. Uh, if she yeah. should, uh, you know, should have children uh, and, and she has, some, and she may yeah. not, she has some struggles. She has a type one diabetes and it's not mm-hmm. that she can't mm-hmm. have children, but it may be a little more of a struggle. And so sure. we don't know whether we will, will actually get to rock and, and help raise a little yeah. grandchild or not. Uh, and right. to think that Caitlin would be 30 and think if she had lived, you know, you go through those sometimes, you wonder those ifs. And we Absolutely, understand. Yes. And I like to tell people, you know, God don't have a plan B. That's our human nature to think and wonder about the ifs. Well, mm-hmm. if, if the child, if our child will live, what would have happened? What would they have done? What kind of career? What, but in, in all honesty, God is God. He's sovereign. And he That's has right. one plan, and it's the best plan for us. It's just we don't understand that. We don't like to even mm-hmm. accept that when we've gone through the grief and the mourning and struggles that we've had, when we, you know, especially with a child. Uh, sure. It's, it's, that's so different than it is with, we have gone through uh, her mother passing, my mother passing. We have no, uh, I have one sister left, and that's it. And mm. so losing your, your mom or your dad is difficult. But when it's a child, you know, that old saying is your children are supposed to bury you, and it doesn't happen that way. That's hard to accept. But God is God, and He has mm-hmm. and be, and, be, and he, yeah. he, he tells us in Scripture. He knows the plans that he has for us, and they are good. It's accepting mm-hmm. that that's the hard part. And, right. And it's okay sometimes to even fuss at God about it. <laughs> Complain. Sure. Yeah, and he, and he sure. still knows us. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. When, we, uh, when we lost Caitlin, 
you know, we lost all her dreams and everything that came with us. And we had Matt for 15, almost 16 years. And then when he died, I was like, well, there, that sets us way back for being grandparents again. Mm -hmm. And then after losing Caitlin and Matt with Madison there for a while, we didn't want to let her do anything. We were overly protective and um, kind of smothered her too much, I think. We were also very much in his, in her uh, teenage years, the, you know, through high school and such was really when we were dealing with, not that we we still deal with Matt's loss and Caitlin's, but it was so difficult those first several years that Madison, we feel like she kind of got the short end of the stick a lot of times. Sure. She had to bless her heart. She, you know, she kind of raised herself in a lot of ways, even Those though she's in home where mom and dad's still together. You know, right. Which you see the children, whether it's a divorce and things like that, they have a rough time. But she was kind of having to deal with the situation mom and dad's always grieving. Mom and dad's right. crying 24 7. And that went on right. for several years during the time frame where she struggled. In fact, she even to the point. Of, um, and I know oftentimes you're, you have siblings of children that passed and they deal with it differently. But Madison would almost just close up and not want to talk about Matt at all. Sure. And she yeah. did a little bit with Caitlin because we had just the baby picture of her. But with Matt being so, they were three years apart in age, four. four years four. apart in age, but they mm-hmm. were almost like, I mean, like they were twins or something. Mm-hmm. And, right. Uh, so yeah, she she struggled opening up with that. Still does just uh, yeah. Her own little way of of um, remembering him, um, and she talks about him in her own way. Her husband mm-hmm. makes us think of him so much. <laughs> so oh wow! Much. Um, they would have been like two peas in a pod, Matt and her husband. Um, but you know, we felt like we were getting our grandkids taken away and then taken away again. And now that she's married, um, we're just happy. We've got a, a grand husky and two grand kittens. So we're, we're good with that for now. Yeah, that'll, that'll kind of fill that need for at least a little while. Yeah. 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 So you've mentioned Matt. And we've kind of talked a little bit all around Matt. Tell us about him. Help us get to know who Matt was. Matt was a father has such a special place for their son. And I often got in trouble early on because I would say something about my son and I had to catch myself that it's our son. But the relationship that I had when he was my buddy, he was my fishing buddy, my hunting buddy, anything outdoors. And he, at the same time, he was mom's music buddy because I'm not a music person. And he was uh, musically talented enough to her and him, he her was, and him really hit it off of the music. Yeah, side, he was, so. nobody else in the family is into music. And yeah, he was my music buddy. So, and he, he just, he cared about so many people. One of the things that really jumped out, and I'm not a Facebook person, but mm-hmm. Matt's Facebook, uh, after he passed, we learned things about him that parents with him in the same roof and Philip like we knew our child very, very well, we learned things we did not know. 
fortunately, now some of those things were not good things, <laughs> but fortunately, most of the things we learned about were really, really good, positive things. And the example there is he had a little survey he took on Facebook that said 25 things about Matthew Roberts. And so he filled up this little survey about things about himself. And the number one thing on there, I assumed, knowing him as a dad, hunting, fishing, outdoor, it's going to be something to do with that. The number one thing about Matthew, if you was asking him, it's going to be that. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Matthew's number one thing was, I love God. He Mm -hmm. put God above everything. He yeah. wanted to constantly. He wanted to be at church as much as he could. He wanted to go with the youth pastor. He wanted to go visiting. He'd go on mission summer mission trips with them. He wanted people to. He wanted to reach people for God. Mm-hmm. Our youth just, minister said that he was going to end up being yeah, a, a youth minister. Youth minister, and, yeah. You know, happy yeah. it's one of those events. If you know that you kind of question, don't know, but. He seemed like he was geared toward that because he really loved working, especially younger children, younger than him. But that was his number one thing. And then he went down through there in his top 25. There were a lot of revealing things that we didn't didn't know about, but that were good things. And one of the things that kind of got a lot of people's attention was he said he had dreams of flying through the air bodily, not an mm-hmm. airplane, bodily flying through the air. And like, okay, how's that that go? But the one that really jumped jumped and stood out and so appreciative of it was he's, and you have to have to look at the context of it. He says, I want to die saving somebody. Now, Mm -hmm. our son, I talked about how yet, but it was a drowning, a tragic drowning. And he Mm -hmm. physically died. I don't believe that statement he was talking necessarily he, yes, if he could save somebody physically, okay. But I, there's more than one way to save someone. And it's spiritually yeah. see people saved. And after Matt's death, we, we did see a, kind of an outbreak of revival within his peers, within our church. We had a revival less than a month after he had passed. And what we saw was, uh, the way I like to put it, is our son's death pointed to another son's death. And that's God's only begotten mm. son, Jesus. So our yeah. son's death is tragic as it was and hard and still gets us. Sure. But God has used it. And that was one of the things that day when he when he died that I asked God to do. I kinda I I'll tell more about the conversation I had with God that day on the bank where he had drowned. But one of the things that was with that was God used our son's death. Absolutely. If we can't avoid it. If, you, if this is going to be the case and it's going to happen, which he made it very clear to me it was, then use it and show us, if you would. We, we can't see it all, but show me little bits and pieces of the good that comes out of his death. Romans 8.28, it's our verse we cling to. The day Matt died, I'm a uh, deacon in our church, London First Baptist. Mm-hmm. We have a little missionary church that we had started. And at the time, the deacon's body would rotate one, once every month and visit our missionary church. So wife and family and kids would go to the missionary church that Sunday. 
for the service. And so that Sunday, it was a Sunday afternoon that Matt passed. And that Sunday was our turn to go. And he did not want to go. And we kind of had a little confrontation about it. <laughs> kind of ironically, it was because he wanted to be with his girlfriend, who was at our mm-hmm. well, We worked around that, and we talked to her parents, and, she, and they allowed her to go with us to the missionary church. Uh-huh. So we went to, to uh, Black Rock Baptist Church and, and served that Sunday there, uh, visiting with them. And the sermon that the pastor preached on was, was Romans 8, 28. All things mm-hmm. are for good for those who love the Lord and are called to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't want to take the verse out of content there because this is a lot of before that and after that in that scripture. And God keeps revealing stuff to me on that. But that was the one thing that kept coming back to me when he, he passed away that afternoon in the drowning. And it was God, Romans 8, 28, all things work for good. How can this be good? Right. And God said, read that. Think about what it says. It doesn't say all things. It says all all bad, all good things work for good. It says all things work for good. Mm-hmm. This is not a good event in my life. This is not something we would have ever wanted to face or, or deal with. But God was and has used that event for good. And yeah. So, and that kind of goes to the discussion I had with God on the bank that day. Paula was at home. We played disc golf. Every mm-hmm. single group would go and play disc golf at a course in Russellville here that's right on the banks of, of the lake. And there's a little canal there. And uh, Matt had his girlfriend came and played with us. When she got ready to leave, her, parent, her uh, parents had come to pick her up. And we walked back to the parking lot. And he said bye, and it was kind of a hot day. It was in March. It was really hot for March. But it was very, very hot. And he said, Dad, it's hot. I'm going to swim across the canal and catch up with the group. And the canal is about 100, maybe 100 feet across. It's a little area where they do competition ski, ski uh, slalom. I said, man, you can't do that. The water's cut. Oh, oh I'm, it's hot. And, and he was a very good swimmer. A little bit of argument ensued, and he convinced me. To, that he was going to swim across there. I mm-hmm. kind of got aggravated, angry at him. I looked back and wished I had told him no. Oh, how I But sure. aggravation, he knew how to push my buttons. I gave in, and he literally swam about 80 feet. He was 20 feet from the other side. And I, the coroner said it was a um, heart attack due to cold water shock, basically. And mm-hmm. so he didn't make it across. Immediately, I began. I ran around the other side looking for him, and thought I saw him with him. And I realized what had, what had happened, and I just pleaded out with God. And God, you're sovereign, but this isn't something that I, I can't handle. This and the first thing that came out of my mouth, Jill, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was 17. Yet, out of my mouth comes, God, you don't know what it is to lose a son. Mm. And I mean, I looked for the lightning bolt because I knew when I said it, <laughs> what I said. Mm-hmm. And it was if God stopped and said, no, thank you, minute. Who was Jesus? And he reminded me. And I, oh, yes, yes, God. So then I started bargaining with God. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, you do know what it is. Yes, Jesus was your son. I believe that. 
but but you're God. You're the God Almighty who created the universe, the spoken word. Here I am, a man. How am I going to deal with this loss of my son? I can't do that. You're God. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? You're right. And there was something I always wondered, Jill, that uh, he revealed to me that day was the scripture where he told the disciples, you are going to do greater things than I. Now that mind boggled me for years. This is Jesus, the son of God, and he's telling his disciples, which also includes us as believers, we're going to do greater things than him. Uh, How can that be? He said, you always wondered about that. I'm revealing that to you today, Greg. He said, it's not the things that are going to be done. It's how they're going to be done. I would do it with spoken word, the might, the power, the sovereign God. You're going to do it by a certain word that you've learned about for years. Starts with an F. Right. You're going to do it by faith. See, remember all those patriarchs? And you go back in Hebrews and you look at all the people in the Bible how they did everything they did by faith. Even the story of Abraham was going to slay his own son, Isaac. All those things came to, to mind. Said, You're going to do it by faith. So we like to think of it this way. When you go through this kind of loss, you have a choice. You're either going to apply the faith that you have claimed you've had. You're getting it tested. So you're going to apply it or you're going to deny it. You never mm-hmm. have it to start with, and you don't want to be in, you don't want to be in that situation. You want to apply that faith. It's not easy. It's not. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. But that's what God told me. He said, "I am solving." And there was the uh, chaplain, local chaplain, had come up when they were searching for him in the water that day, and said, "Oh, Greg, you know, it, the water's cold. They can pull bodies out and revive them, and and they live for years, and you know, they can they can find him." God was telling me at the whole time when they said that, said, no, this ain't what's going to happen today. Your, your son is not going to be recovered and brought back. Mm-hmm. To said, he said, he's coming to heaven with me. He said, but, he said, and I argued, I said, well, why did I have to be here? And he said, you had to see that you couldn't do anything about it. And then the other thing was, well, God, couldn't you use some other child in the, Community, if you want to reach people for, you know, and see this revival that we begin to see happening in the next month. He said, couldn't you have done it with some other child? He said, no. He said, it was Matthew Roberts that I needed because I'm going to reach his peers, the people that's close to him. Those are the ones that I'm going to make a difference in their lives. And we begin to see that. And uh, there was, it was the first Sunday of spring break. Mm -hmm. And we were on one side of this ski canal and on the other side, there were everybody from school. I mean, football team, band, because he was in both. Anybody that knew him, um, people that were just passing by that didn't, you know. Word got out. Please. Everybody from church. Mm-hmm. We called family from out of town, you know. Um, but if you looked across the other side of that canal, all you saw was people. Lots mm-hmm. and lots and lots of people. And every one of those people, for the most part, knew him. And um, he was severely ADHD. I mean, to the max, to the point of driving you crazy. He was always in trouble at school. He pestered people and made them just so annoyed at school. 
He annoyed the teachers. Most teachers loved him. Some could have done better, but his buddies even, he would just wear them out. And there was this one boy that would pick on him all the time. And uh, he was one of the first boys to get saved after mm. math. And wow. to this day, he is still, he's, he's married, he's got a family. And mm-hmm. they're still in church. And if that one was all it took, then it was worth it because it totally turned his life around. And still his story gets told. And people, people will ask me, you know, siblings, because it's been 12 years, 12 and a half years. So I've had lots of siblings that have known, you know, and they always asked me about him. And they talked about him at fifth quarter after one football game. And some of them who had not known came back the next Monday and they go, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry about mm. you. You know? Yeah. And so his story is still out there. And it's still touching people. Mm-hmm. He, he was, the girls loved him. He had a motorcycle, um, little a little motorcycle. I didn't like it, but he had it. And <laughs> after he passed away, we found out that he had done some things with it um, at church. He rode it down the stairs to oh, no. the girl just to, to make, make just to make her laugh. He would do stuff like that all the time. He, I mean, he had the girls wrapped around his finger. And evidently, yeah. had been in some wrecks that we didn't know about. That was part of his Facebook yes. twenty five. Well, he'd been in one on with me, and so he'd been in. I think he said three, and I only know of one. So yeah, there's things right. that we didn't ever know about. Probably glad we didn't. He was mm-hmm. a hyper little bug. I mean, <laughs> but he was my music buddy. And he could play the trumpet. He loved football and band. Yeah. Great combination, football and band. I love I love it that in a in a small school like that you can do both. Yeah. One of my great. favorite pictures of him is when he's in his uniform. His football. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, his football uniform. Playing the trumpet. Mm-hmm. He had a solo on um Living on a Prayer. They were doing that song. And he was looking up in the stands. He wasn't looking for me and Greg. Mm-hmm. He was looking for his uncle Gary, who yeah, has since know. passed away. And is, is in heaven with him also. But yeah, he didn't care about us. He just wanted <laughs> his Uncle Gary to come all the way from Hot Springs to see him play. And he did. And yeah. he had the solo. And uh, that's my favorite picture. And I didn't take it. Someone else took it for me. And mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. glad they did. Because, I mean, it's just, it's it's him in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know just the picture you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's a great picture. Great picture. So, like you said, it's been 12 years, 12 and a half years since Matt went to heaven. He went to heaven just almost exactly a month after Hannah did, you know, which we're we're so close to each other on this journey. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps we, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. We both, we connected with each other pretty early yeah. on. Yes. And um, so y'all have been an encouragement to us and, and um, you know, it's been good to kind of get to know you guys and. Uh, especially since we've traveled a similar road. So think back, if you can, to those very early days of your grief. What advice would you give to a newly bereaved parent? Uh, Think about even that time after Caitlin went to heaven, the time after Matt went to heaven. What advice would you give to somebody who's just starting on this road? Be kind to yourself. 
Give yourself time. Nothing is off limits. And what I mean by that is everyone grieves differently. Oh, boy, do they. <laughs> different time yes. frame, different ways. One of the things that we like to tell early on, especially, it seemed like folks would, you know, people care and love us, love us so much. And somebody would say something one day, and it would just mean the world to me that they even, you know, said something. And the very mm-hmm. same person the next day could say something very similar, and it would almost go all over me, and I'd be aggravated. I wouldn't tell them that, but I'm like, sure. I was thinking in my mind, you just don't understand. You haven't been there. Mm-hmm. You you don't mm-hmm. realize what you're saying. And of course, you know, you would see those early days. You would see those people that they really care about you, that they would, you would look at them across a restaurant and they would cut their eyes away. Oh, there's that, there's that family that lost their child. You know, we don't want to, we don't, and they would be afraid to even bring him up in conversation. If you did run into them. We lost a lot of friends. Normal feelings. Mm -hmm. We lost a lot of friends over, which is really strange, but they Mm -hmm. just didn't know how to deal with it. And you just have to understand that it is hard and, as difficult as it is for you, other people, they do care. They just don't know how to respond mm-hmm. unless they have actually been there. And that's the thing about while we're waiting that is, to me, it's just, it's a godsend. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, when Caitlin passed and we were in the hospital, and I don't remember the lady's name or any details about it, but there was a lady in, the, in our area that had lost a child to something similar. And as every time someone in the hospital would go through what we had, she would reach out and try to get them to come to some kind of grief counseling things and stuff. But it wasn't biblically based. It wasn't it wasn't Christians who really know where their child is. And she would mm-hmm. I feel for that lady, but she it would actually make it more difficult and worse for the one mm-hmm. reading that you uh-huh. would you know, just loving someone. There for a while, I was in a group about uh, a group for parents of children who drown. To hmm. start with, I thought, "Oh, this is going to be great." Um, yeah. Oh no! Yeah. It was probably the worst. It sent me spiraling down so quick. Mm. Um, there was nothing godly about it, and so I knew for my own sanity, I shouldn't do that. But you have to be careful where you go. For help, but also don't go back to work so quick. I let my then principal, who's no longer there, talk me into coming back way too early. And then at the end of that year, he griped me out and said, you don't even act like you want to be here. And I kind of looked at him like, "Um, (laughs) yeah, I really kind of don't, you know. Right, Um, sure. And plus, he told the story about Matt all wrong. And he told everybody to not talk about him to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not helpful that's at all. the worst thing you could do. And I told all the kids, mm-hmm. I said, I want to talk about him. I want you to say his name. And mm-hmm. even today, uh, well, just the other day, one of my teachers that I work with, I'm getting to be one of the oldest ones in my building. So most of the people have already gone on <laughs> and retired. But um one of the other girls that I work with that taught Matt came up to me and I asked about this one little boy. She goes, he makes me think of yours. She said, he's a wild child. 
Oh, yeah. Thinks that would sound like it's going to hurt because she was, said he's a wild child until she. He's, he was blonde-haired yeah. and a little little because he he was on ADHD medicine forever and he was always shorter until his tenth mm-hmm. grade year and then he grew six inches in one year and he got just a little bit taller than me and he was so happy. But yeah. um, he was he was such a wild child, but he had a huge heart, and that's what she told me. She goes, "This little guy makes that's me think of yours." Not just because he he's wild. such a wild child, <laughs> but he has such a big heart. Oh that, wow! Um, and that made your day, didn't it? Oh, it did, and I'll never forget that little boy. I'll have him next year. But um, yeah. I see Matt in a lot of my students, mm-hmm. and the way I teach them is different than the way it was before. And we've had several students, and I hate even think about it. We've had several students that have committed suicide um, mm-hmm. after mass Since death. Now. Yeah. And I've tried to reach out to their parents and, and have gotten mm-hmm. at least one of them involved in while we're waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just you have to put yourself first. I went back to work way too early. And when you go out there, you put on this face, it's not you. Mm-hmm. And you be somebody, you know, that you're just on all day. Mm-hmm. And then you come home and you just crash and you bawl and you cry and you cry. And that can go on for years. And, yeah. oh, man, I don't remember exactly when that started to subside, but it was just draining to go to work for those first two or three yes. years. It really mm-hmm. was. And you reach a point where you actually have no tears left. To, I mean, yeah. physical mm-hmm. droplets to fall. And, and you were talking so to, to cry, so. about grieving. He grieves so differently. He grieves yeah, so talk differently. about that. Um, I wanted to talk about everything because I like to talk everything out. He, because he was there when it happened, had a totally different perspective than what I did. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that just made him kind of withdraw into himself and with the percentage of marriages that don't survive the loss of a child. I really thought we were going to be one there for the first couple of years mm-hmm. until I realized, okay, this is how he grieves. This is how I grieve. We just need to, you know, give it to God and um, just work through it. And thank goodness we did. And we are closer and tighter now as a couple than we have ever been. And I can't say that, that we'd be mm-hmm. like that if Matt had still been here. We have been through, uh, we ought to, ought to write a book of the things we've been through from the point when we first got married. Uh, she had a lot of health issues and things that she went through. Which back to kind of connection to to you guys when Hannah had the, the brain tumor. Uh, yes, we had not long prior to that, 2000, 2000. 2000 yeah. Paula had had a tumor at the base of her brainstem, and sixteen hour surgery. Now it was not malignant; it was only but sixteen hour surgery to remove it, and the doctors painted the ugliest picture. You know, may not even, your wife may not even know you and all these things, but that was a, a significant event that happened in our lives. And when we heard about Hannah, it was kind of through my brother and his wife were in church with you guys. 
and they got this young lady in their church who had a brain tumor. And we didn't know the details early on, but we began to know more and prayed for him. And we, we got all the emails yeah. all the time, and and we told mm-hmm. Matt and Madison about her, and mm-hmm. and Matt would talk about her in youth group, and they would pray for her. And yeah, well, the day that she actually that Paula got the word that she had passed. You know, we're at a station. We were at a gas station. Very solemn. When he, yeah. When he mm. And he, it wasn't like him just to be quiet and just kind of sit mm-hmm. there, but he, he did. And we did not know, but we reached out just in prayer for you guys because of what we had been through. We had no clue that less than a month later, oh, man. we were going to go through something similar that you guys had with his death and, uh, and dealing with that. And then you guys reached out to us. As well as some some other the Beck family, uh, mm-hmm. my uh, I can remember the visitation for Matt and Mike Beck came with my brother from Hot Springs about mm-hmm. to drive up uh, for the visitation and he met me and the first thing he said he says you just joined a club that you did not choose to be a part of nor wanted to be a part of or should have to be a part of but I'm here just to let you know others have been through what you have and I'm not sure exactly. Almost ten years to the day. It was ten years for their son. Right at ten years that Mike and Libby had lost their son, and uh, they said, "Just let you know, there are people that care. We'll be praying for you. Mm. Anything you ever want to do, uh, you know, I'm here." And Mike, bless his heart, he was just so special. One of the first uh, men's retreats we had at you guys at the the farm for men. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went and rode four wheelers and. Things like that. Mike had, had went to that one, so I knew somebody already there just for me and that. But he was so special to us. And then little did we know that just I'm not sure how many years it's been now, but Mike passed away. Yes. So we got to go go home and be with his his son and and in heaven. And uh, so that it meant a lot to have somebody reach out that had been through that. And then. Your story with, with how while we, while you're waiting continue from that point on, and it was less than a year later after Matt's death that uh, Adam Brown. Passed. Yes, well, they mm-hmm. were significant with, with you guys in the, in the early years there. With, uh, That's right. Time. So that connection was again rekindled. Through. So uh, God was orchestrating this whole thing, and mm-hmm. we just didn't didn't have a clue what what all he was doing and surrounding us with people that, that and that's what I would say to couples early on especially. Yes, you've got you got some family and you've got some people that do understand. It may be a different situation and different circumstances of how your child went to heaven, but they do know and they do care and they have been through a lot of the things that you're dealing with. And it means the world to have a Christian based support system of other couples and families, moms and dads that you don't necessarily get elsewhere out there. Want to send you to counseling or this or that, but oftentimes those counselings are not Christian based. And you need to cling to God like you've never cleaned before. Uh, right. That that's the hope we have. The perseverance that we in back to Romans again, chapter eight. And what's while we're waiting is uh, 825. Yeah. You know, we persevere. So that all, it's all that whole section in in Romans chapter eight 
just keeps coming back and echoing back to us. And yes. so we, we persevere and we don't have a choice in it in one sense, but we do because we can either lie or deny that thing. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's our choice to do that or not. And that's right. And, and, and for the couple, it, it could be years. Paula mentioned earlier, she'll know at what point the tears quit. I couldn't tell you exactly, but I know there were many, many years. It's been 12 and a half now. I know it was at least seven, eight, maybe nine years that there wasn't a night that I didn't just boo-hoo. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. occasionally will hit me, not as often right. as hit. Mm-hmm. Now, there's not a day that goes by you don't think about them. Oh, Every right. Day. Exactly. But those gut-riching just every tear you can wrench out of your body comes mm-hmm. that happens for years and for some longer than others. Mm-hmm. But over time, you know, those really hard d- days, those really difficult days, those days that are just full of tears, they seem to get farther and farther apart with more good days in between. And, and it takes longer to get to that point. For some people and shorter for others, it's everybody's grief journey is a little bit different in that regard. That's for sure. It is. And men definitely grieve different than women. And yes. Once I realized that, it made things a little easier. Mm-hmm. And also getting to come to while we're waiting and just talk, talk about mm-hmm. our child, our children. Yes. And not have people look at you like, oh, I'm sorry. Or right. um, I wish they hadn't brought that or, up. Yeah. Because that's what or just get totally like silent when you mention their name because yeah. I would mention Matt a lot right after. And uh-huh. everybody would just, it was just like crickets. Everybody would yes. talking. And then mm-hmm. I would feel really, really weird. <laughs> I, yeah. You don't feel like that when you're talking with people that have been there. You know? Yes. I, exactly. I Sunday school class or did for a long time in the church and before COVID. And uh, Matt was often the topic that would often bring him mm-hmm. up. And so I think sometimes our, our Sunday school members were like, oh, there he goes again talking about you know his son. And, and now they loved me and they wanted to hear that they got used to that. But for the most part, people in social rounds were they scringe when you bring that up because mm-hmm. right. they haven't been there. They can't identify. It's not that they don't mm-hmm. care. It's just they, they can't. And so it's, I've learned I, for a long time, I could not if somebody asked me, how many children do you have? Look out, you mm-hmm. know the story. I don't tell them. Right. You know, and I want to use it as an opportunity to, it's a witness for, to them a little bit. And they're, well, it took a long time for us. I said, well, I've got a daughter that's, uh, you know, just got married mm-hmm. and, and not uh-huh. mentioned that. Caitlin, and sometimes I do that and I feel guilty later because yeah. I didn't. But I learned certain cases, some cases, situations, is, you know, they don't don't need to hear, they have to hear it all. So. Right, exactly. So by the time this podcast airs, we're going to be kind of entering into the holiday season, and that's definitely one of the most difficult times for a bereaved parent. You guys have had a lot of years of dealing with the holidays under your belt. And what advice do you have for those moms and dads who are just absolutely dreading the holidays this year? It's okay to skip it. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) It's okay to do something different. 
after Matt died, we didn't put up a tree. Madison put the tree up. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would decorate. She would do everything. We didn't. We didn't do mm-hmm. any of that. Um, still, I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but even last year, she put the tree up and I mm-hmm. didn't. You know, I, it just changed the whole feel of the holidays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do yeah. what you feel feel you want to do or what's yeah. comfortable for you. Uh, we, mm-hmm. you know, she would put up a tree and we would have an ornament, you know, for him. We would put his mm-hmm. stocking up, yeah. Put his stocking up and those kind of things. Uh, but you don't have to feel that you have to do that. I can remember, uh, I was just talking about this the other day, the first couple of years we went to, uh, for Thanksgiving, I believe it was, or was it Christmas? We went to the Chinese restaurant. We yeah. did not mm-hmm. look at home. We right. didn't do the traditional. And we happened to see a couple that uh, that I knew that their their mother, elderly mother, had passed away less than a month before that, and they were there. But you you try to find things to to remind you of what Christmas is for. Make a new tradition. It's not it, it yeah. hurts to remember those times when they were here and they're now not. But it's okay. It's okay to hurt through that too. So you you make new traditions and you know, focus on, on new things as well. Mm-hmm. They would want it. That way, Matt wouldn't want mm-hmm. us to just, uh, you know, necessarily do things the same way. But and we had kind of gotten even before he had passed, we'd kind of gotten more as a family. We still did Christmas, but it's much more lower key than what we had done in the past. Yeah, a lot of our family had passed; grandparents had already passed, so it was uh, uh, not as big a. You know, we you have a lot of big family get-together that families have. So if you've got a large family, uh, that's going to be, be difficult. We would let them mm-hmm. go pick angels off the angel tree or something like that. And and after he passed away, we would do that in his honor or in his memory. And mm-hmm. just we didn't. And a lot of people may want to keep the tradition. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We, we changed it. It just didn't fit for us anymore. Mm-hmm. So we just started doing our own new things. Like with his birthday, you know, it comes and it goes and we think about him, but we don't do what a lot of other people do. You know, it's, it's just an individual choice. Well, right. No mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Sense. You have to figure out what works for your family and it can even be different from year to year. Yeah, yeah. We, right after, it was not very long at all, because May, because she was gone to sixth grade camp. He passed away March 22nd. And the very beginning of May, the sixth grade uh, kids went to camp. So we were kid free. So we thought, okay, we'll go to Branson. That was the worst thing we've ever done. Um, mm. Two months out, yeah, too many out. memories. Not even two months out, barely a month and a half. Yeah. Um, that was the worst, worst trip we ever took. <laughs> we were just trying to be normal. And, yeah. and it was way too early, way too early. However, a few years yeah. later, since more years went by, we would seem like, for whatever reason, it seemed we'd find ourselves, well, when he passed, it was spring break. So school's uh-huh. usually out spring break, and we try to go and do something or go somewhere. 
but mm-hmm. we had done several vacation trips that's been during the anniversary of his, his passing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just try to stay busy on those days, but they're going, they're going to hit you. You're going to have those extra heavy thoughts those days, it, it, tears and, and everything. And you just have to keep on keeping on. You have to keep, as Paul said, keep running the race. Our race isn't over yet. Mm-hmm. He tells it you know, to keep running the race until the end and finish strong. And as hard as that is, by you doing that, you are honoring your child. Mm-hmm. And I like to tell people, I don't know. I, I know during during the funeral and visitation, you know, people would would say things about how you know time. You hear the same time heals. When time things get the, you don't want to hear that. You don't want right. to hear the time heals. So what I would respond to folks is, say, I don't know if time heals, but what time does do is it brings me closer to that reunion. That's right. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how long the Lord will keep me here. I may live to be 150. I, I really hope I don't. I don't want to live that long. <laughs> but right. however long it is, I know each day that goes by, I am one day closer to mm-hmm. not only being in heaven to see him, but to see my Lord and, Lord and Savior Jesus. Uh, I tell a neat story, uh, kind of a, and it's true, but your concepts of things change. I used to tell folks before Matt's passing that when I died and went into heaven, walked into heaven, I would tell all my family that were there, get out of the way, move, scoot over. I'll see you in a minute, but I want to go see my Jesus because he's the reason I'm here. And sure. I want to go see Jesus. I said, I've got a little bit of a different approach now. When I walk into uh-huh. heaven or flying or however that works, I'm going to grab Matt by that headlock that daddies do. And say, come mm-hmm. on, come on. And we're going to go find mm-hmm. Jesus to show the Lord he's at. Go together. Go together. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, I think maybe the Lord allowed me to do that. Getting that headlock. Yeah. There, so. yeah. That sounds like something he'd allow you to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Matt, he yeah. would be waiting on him and then he'd drag him there. Yeah. He'd tackle me. That's yeah. what he'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great thing to think about. I love it. So what have you learned about God through your experience with Caitlin and Matt? Oh, he's so much more than what I thought he was. Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed to admit that as old as I am. I have grown so much um, in my faith, in my trust. I, I can't even compare it to being from a newborn to an adult. I mean, it is just um, God has taught me so much through these 12 years of waiting and wondering. And my relationship has gotten much more in depth with God than it ever has been. Um, My faith is stronger. Yeah. And sometimes, Jill, you don't see that with with families or with parents when their children have passed, uh, particularly non-Christian families. But even those that are involved in church and they're there regularly will lose a child and, and I, I don't, we don't like to use that term lose we know where they are mm-hmm. right but it will actually push them away from church you won't mm-hmm. see them in church anymore and that's so sad because what it should do is draw you closer to god it's okay to be angry at god question god why all those things that you go through those emotions and those thoughts 
but the bottom line, God is the sovereign God, and He is your only hope that you will have that reunion with that child or any any loved one that passes. So we should cling to that. And I look back, and what I've learned is God was orchestrating so much in our lives. Matthew was 15 years of age, and I can't speak with Caitlin being stillborn and not having lived. I don't know. You know, I didn't get to know get to know her. Mama carried her, so she knew her more than I did. But with Matthew at 15 years of age, that young man lived a life fuller than what most people later and I live. And we look back at vacations we had, things that we did. He got to experience so much that 15-year-olds don't experience until later in life. And I never understood that. But now looking back and one of the vacations we had, we went to Alaska one time and took the kids and they had everything we did. We were seeing animals they don't always see. We were, you know, everything about it was just perfect vacation. And I look back that and I'm so grateful to God that he allowed us to have that because he knew that Matt was going to make it to age 15. Mm-hmm. That would be that. But also it wouldn't matter if he had been newborn or 115, that time frame, 15 years or however old you live, is just a, just a glimpse of eternity. It's nothing compared to, you know, forever. <laughs> so right. as much as I want more years now with him, I don't get that. But guess what I do get? Because he was a believer in Christ, I know that I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior and that my son is actually going to be there as well. And that's what you cling to. So mm-hmm. don't run from God, run to God. It's okay, but if it hurts, hurts. I don't know how many um, Sundays I, we went. The very, That was on a Sunday afternoon when he was when he had drowned. The very next Sunday we were back in church. And there were couples that said that really spoke to them that we were so sincere about going back and worshiping God even a week after he, you know, he had passed. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's so important to run to God, not away from God and let God use what has happened in your life to reach others. I got to tell one, one story that stands out. Oscar Kaufman was an older gentleman in our church, sit on the very back row of our church. Every Sunday he's there. Oscar was very shy, quiet to himself. I don't know how old Oscar was, but he was an elderly gentleman by himself. When Matt passed, Oscar walked up that next Sunday, and he was just shaking. He had an envelope in his hand, and he was just literally shaking, and he didn't stutter, but he was stuttering that day. He said, I want you to have this. I want it back, but I want you to have this for now. And we're like, what in the world? He said, just open it. You'll understand when you open it. I understand where you guys are. Jill opened that envelope as Oscar walked off. It was Patrick Kaufman, his son, that 27 years, almost to the day, not exact, but 27 years prior, he lost Patrick. He was in, had his tuba. He was in the band. That picture. Yeah, it was a band picture. And it was his band oh, picture. Wow. You realize as uh-huh. your children, you don't get any more pictures of them. So he's right. this and it was worn in his wallet. 
But he wanted sure. us to have it to understand that he had been through something similar, mm. that he had wow. lost his child. And yeah. he was, you know, and, and so we had the funeral. A couple of days after the funeral, we went to visit Oscar to take him his picture back because you don't have sure. any pictures. No, huh? We visited with Oscar and he loved on us and oh, shared his story. The best visit. Yeah. And we shared ours and we talked. And he so was usually so very, very shy, but he opened up with us and we talked. I loved Oscar. Oscar was so sweet. Mm-hmm. That Friday, that was like a Wednesday. That was Wednesday that we took it back. Yeah. That Friday, they found mm-hmm. Oscar and he was a little shocked. He had a heart attack and went to hell. Mm-hmm. So he had waited 27, 27 years, years to, to help us. To be Get here for yeah. yeah. To reach out to somebody else going through it. And now the Lord has allowed him, allowed him to come home to be with his, mm. his and his son. So never underestimate what God wants to do with you, whether it's 27 years later or the week after. Yeah. Cling to that. Yeah. That will that helps me more. She's talking about how regular. When I can do things that help grow God's kingdom. That helps. I love to tell Matt's story and how how he he you know what happened to him that day and the conversations I had with God and and all those things and every opportunity I can I'm about that. But it's in a, with the concept of hopefully somebody else will come to Christ, so they'll have that hope that we have, so mm-hmm. that they can see their family that have gone and. Unfortunately, that don't always happen. So you never understand what God wants to do with you. And as tragic as what you're facing, as hard as the grief is, God will use it for good. If you let him, if you're willing. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes is to be willing and God use you. Amen. Amen. And just like Oscar ministered to you guys in your moment of need, I know you guys have had the opportunity to minister to others in their moment of need because of what God has done in your lives uh, through Matt and Caitlin's lives. So that's a beautiful story. I love that story. I've known you guys for several years now, many years, and I've never heard that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, And it's just such a great reminder of how God can use every single one of us and and our losses are not for nothing, that good can come from them, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Well, thank you all so much for joining me today and for sharing Matt's story and Caitlin's story and uh, just being so open and honest about your grief and, and the road that you have walked. Um, it's been an encouragement to me today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? It's okay to be mad at God. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was angry, angry, angry for a long time. Um, because Matt was just getting to the point where the ADHD was, he was getting to where he could handle it. And yeah, um, he was talking about when he got his dad's truck, because he was going to be 16 in June. He said, mom, I'm going to get that truck. And, I'm going to put the boat on it. We're going to go fishing and I'm going to put you on some fish and we're going to catch some fish, you know, and he was just getting to where he could handle it. And it had been such a struggle for us Mm. those 15 years before. I mean, it was a struggle and I was so angry at God. I'm like, why did you take him now? Right. When he was starting just to come and do his own, you know, 
and I prayed sometimes and I felt like it was just hitting a wall. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like God was hearing me. But what I learned through all that was um, God was hearing me. God never moved. He was just letting me work through and and figure out that I needed him to help me through Mm -hmm. it. And the 23rd Psalm, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is the most literal I have ever felt that verse was right after we lost Matt. I really felt that deep in my soul. But God was there. He never moved, even though he was very silent sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be angry. He's, he's a big boy. He can take it. We cannot take anything to him that he doesn't already know. And he knows how right. we feel. And right. uh, yeah. we we tend to, or at least I, before that, tended to um, not think that he could do everything to the depth that he does. Mm-hmm. We have to realize that our loss, our, our children going to heaven, didn't catch God by surprise. Right. You know, the scripture tells us that there's a point of time for every person, every mm-hmm. woman, child to, to die. And we know that's going to happen. Um, one of the things that she's talking about how with his ADHD, Matt had gotten better. It seemed like things mm-hmm. were really starting to click and he was doing better with his ADHD and those things. And I, I can remember distinctively just months before his passing, I've got this little trunk that I started writing prayers on a little sheet and dropping it. That was my trip prayer trunk and dropping it into that mm-hmm. trunk. And I was just pulling my hair out like, Lord, what am I going to do with this child? He's 15. He's going not long. He's going to be a young adult on his own. You know, whether he'd be on medication or not, I don't know. And how was he going to, how's he going to look and make it through, you know, adulthood and, and all yeah. these things, and I just literally was just wrenching. God, what I do, I'm not. So often, I feel like I fail as a, as a dad. I did. I never physically abused my child, but there were many a times some verbal abuse was there, and mm. I felt guilty about that. But I could not cope with Matt's strongness, strong willed, and, and the ADHD, and so I was writing it on prayers. But God already had known that he was going to live to 15 and that would be it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that hurts. Sometimes I think about it because I was struggling and then, but yet God was saying, well, your struggles are going to end. And that, that's not what I wanted to hear. If he yeah. had told me that, no, no, you know, and I'd often say, well, I hope God, God wouldn't take me because I couldn't deal with that. Her. Wasn't the solution. We were yeah, well, that wanting. scripture, yeah. God had a plan of time. It wasn't because right. I couldn't handle it. Because, okay. I'll take him away. It wasn't no, us. not at all. If anything, it was reward for Matt. We think of it as a bad thing. You know, think when our children go, there they wouldn't come back if they could. What they're seeing right. in glory is far better than what's here. So mm-hmm. we're just selfishly going on back. But uh, yeah. So uh, I, I would say, you know, trust God and understand your child. As hard as it is, and it hurts, it was their time. But when we get there, it'll make more sense. And we'll right. accept it. 
doesn't make the days easier. I know that. I know you're still going to hurt. You're going to have the tears. And you have just have to persevere through it. That's the only option we have. But the one thing, too, I would suggest for, for families, and we did this for a while. We did something. The day that Matt passed and drowned, we were playing disc golf. And disc golf would become a big part of our routine through the week. And the local uh, disc golf club actually helped us a year after his, his death. We did a uh, memorial tournament, uh, did a, a scramble in disc golf. And we did that for several years and helped sponsor and put on that, had the opportunity to talk about that and what happened that day. And it, it really was therapeutic for us to do that, but it also was just draining. It hurt so much every year to, you know, to go back through that, to be there at the course where he could drown and, and all those things. It was not good for you. And it was good for a while that we could see people lives were changed but then the focus but kind of got away from the memorial and what we intended it to be so we after about four years we, we allowed them just to do a different tournament took his name off of the tournament uh, but I would encourage you if you have opportunity to do something in memorial or something like that by all means pursue it uh, you know, whether it's setting up a a fund or, you know, a grant or scholarship in their honor or something of that nature. People will help you do that. And that can be a, that can be a benefit. Just, just be aware of sure. with that as well. So. Right. Yeah. That's good advice. Um, because we all want to do something in memory of our child. And sometimes that, that thing as wonderful as it is can become a burden and that it's okay to discontinue that if, if you feel like that. Him. I did yeah. not like what it did to him every year. I was kind of glad to see it come to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you have to figure out what's right for you and for your family. If it brings you joy, then by all means do it. But if it becomes too much of a burden, then then it's okay to stop. So I'm glad you figured that out. I was going to just make a comment. You said that about that Matt was rewarded and uh, we had a dad that came to a retreat and he was kind of working through the same things you were talking about, you know, was my child's death a punishment for me? And he, uh, God just gently reminded him that, no, I didn't punish. I'm not punishing you. I'm rewarding your child. And um, I love that perspective that. Uh, I, I think that a lot with Matt because the Wednesday before he drowned, he had been having a really rough time at school and mm-hmm. he said, mom, you just don't know how hard it is sometimes. Cause he did get picked on and mm-hmm. uh, he was having a really, really, really rough time. Looking back at, at that and how things have been since then in this world. Oh yes, yes definitely yeah. a reward. <laughs> yes. Definitely a reward, you know, yes. um, and I don't envy them one bit. I mean, I do envy yeah. them. Yes. Did I say it backwards? Okay. I do envy them. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hannah was one of these kids who was very, very into politics, believe it or not, at the age of uh, 16, 17, and, and very into world events and things like that. And I just think she would be very 
Oh, just concerned, you know, um, worried the way she was about the way the world is going and and how things seem to be in such upheaval, uh, not just in the United States, but around the world and uh, with COVID and all of that. And I just, I'm, I'm thankful. I miss her. I would do anything to have her here, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm thankful that she has not had to deal with all of that. So, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of it is perspective. We've got to look at things through a heavenly perspective and that changes the way we see things. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. takes time. Yes. Oh goodness. Yes. You don't get that right away. No. It takes a long time, <laughs> but, um, but like you said, you lean in to the Lord, you trust him, you recognize his sovereignty. And over time you do begin to, to understand those kinds of things, but it takes, it takes, takes time for sure time with the Lord. Yes. So, but I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, sharing your story with both Matt and Caitlin and uh, just having some encouraging words for us today. Well, thank you for having us. And I hope that did help somebody out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.